Good morning. Three Bible verses came to mind during our worship this morning. One of them's on that big uh, grey board there. In fact, this is what the Lord's been speaking to me about all year. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, if we all confessed, we're all a little bit broken. And sometimes we're all a little bit broken because we do it our way. We have a, a desired way. We have a thought process. And uh, Proverbs is, uh, we talk about the ancient Chinese Proverbs every time we use a catchphrase, don't we? Okay, it's an old Chinese proverb. No, this is, it means words of wisdom. It means, it means it's a proverb. It means there's wisdom in that. This is the book of wisdom. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I believe that God is speaking to us about this, this year. I think that once we combine that with some of the other things that the Lord has said to us, including last week when Alan said, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. The third one is a, is a verse I've heard a lot over the past 18 months or so. And it's important for us to hold this dear to our hearts. A couple of you might even roll your eyes when you hear it, but... Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brother, brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. <coughs> People often misquote that and they say the first bit and the last bit. For where there is unity, the Lord commands the blessing. It's a nice catchphrase, rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. But I think if you do that, you're missing something important in the middle about the oil. Because when they poured oil over their heads, it was to stop little bugs getting into their ears and up their nose. Have you ever heard that before? It was a way of protecting the little sheep, the little lambs from being eaten alive in their brains and their guts. It's a good thing the kids ain't in here, isn't it? But that's what he was there for. Because we're talking about the protection of not being eaten from the inside out by bugs and things that will chew away at you. How often do we use that phrase these days? There's that little small voice in your ear. Sometimes it's garden, sometimes it's encouraging, sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes he's just trying to prove disunity. Sometimes he's telling you you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not clever enough. You're not wise enough. Your message is outdated. The Bible is something for the past. We only want to focus on this bit or that, but that, that last bit. It's not what he's saying. Those are just three Bible verses that came to me during worship. I think they fit where we are as a church perfectly. I think the fact that I've been given Romans 10 and 11 to preach on today, it fits really well with where we are as a church. 
I think listening to what Alan said to us last week fits really well with where we're at as a church. Are you seeing a pattern emerging here, guys? We're not in control. God is in control of this. And we need the Holy Spirit now. To say I am fed up hearing it, it is not right. But I don't have enough words in the English language. Perhaps I'm just not clever enough to say this. Perhaps that's a little voice in my own ear that says, perhaps you're not clever enough to say this. But let me explain it. How many times have we heard recently that God has something new for us? How many times have we heard recently that we must let go of the past and grasp onto something new? Every week for the past, well, I've been here for 15 months now. It's been a while. Do you know, I had a fear this week, one of those little voices in my ear. I'm going to share it with you. It's not directed at an individual and it's not meant as a criticism, okay? But I thought, how cringy will it be on Sunday morning? If somebody suggests, let's move the chairs into a circle and sit around the table. Because for those of you who are here, you know that's what Alan did for us last week, right? He got us to get up and move all the chairs and we sat around in a circle. But he also preached for 45 minutes on what it meant. It was uh, an illustration. It was a picture. It was a way of us grasping hold of what he was trying to say to us. But too often in Christian circles, we focus on the illustration and not on the reality. How would you feel if I said, okay, we're going to reevaluate how we do everything as a church? Absolutely everything. Where we meet, when we meet, how we do community groups, how we do worship, how we do kids' work, how we do youth work, how we reach into our communities. Are you all going to stand and say yes and amen to me as quickly as you did 10 minutes ago? Yes, yes. yes Tim, that's the answer. Yes, Ricky. Yes, we will, because that is what God is saying to us. God is not giving us some sit-round-the-table illustration. He's saying, this is a time for change. I have something new planned for Living Word Community Church, Basildon. We have something new. It's our choice whether we go and take it or not, isn't it? I preached on that a few months ago. This is not a new thing. It's almost like God was warming us up to this clang of a message, wasn't it? When we get into... Romans. I do want to be faithful to our teaching program. I, I don't want to be unfaithful to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I believe the two can work in harmony. <clears throat> Barbara pointed out last week that Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11 kind of sit really well together and they do. And Barbara, I listened to your sermon online. It was excellent. Sorry, I was doing children's work last week. And I love the way that you drew out some of the meanings for that for the Jewish people. If we look at chapter 10, it says the apostles earnest desire for the salvation of the Jews that covers one to four it goes on to talk about the difference between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith hmm. we've got some lessons to learn in that area haven't we the, Janti- the Gentiles stand on a level with the Jews now in justification and salvation the Jews might know this from the Old Testament prophecies that's just a short summary I, I wrote I took it from a Matthew Henry commentary actually is the introduction to chapter 10. Chapter 11 talks about the rejection of the Jews and it not being universal. That God overruled their unbelief for making the gentle uh, unbelief for making the Gentiles partakers of gospel privileges. The Gentiles cautioned against pride and unbelief. The Jews shall be called as a nation and brought into God's visible covenant again. A solemn adoring of the wisdom, goodness and justice of God. So what does this all say? Well, if we looked at chapter 9, 
and all of this being God's responsibility and his rejection of the Jews. I gave you your chance. I'm now giving the Gentiles a chance. Chapter 10 focuses in on man's responsibility, on the Jewish choice. Because we both have a choice, right? We can draw from this. We're not Jewish in this room. We're Gentile. But we can still take a learning. Because remember, we're on the level with these guys now. He gives us a choice. He has complete control. But we have a choice. It's like a, a weird paradox, that, isn't it? It doesn't quite make sense. But he is in control and I trust him. But I have to choose to trust him. I have to choose to follow him. A great theme comes through both of these. It says, Paul's sorrow for his own people. And I think something to be really understood here, I'm not going to get into Zionism, but Paul wants what the Gentiles now have, and he wants it back for the Jews. And the Lord has kept that open to him, because if we think about the language used, they stumbled. They didn't fall. They stumbled. Do you know sometimes when you trip over your feet, you end up flattening your face, right? And you scrape your nose and everyone thinks you're a blonde cat. <laughs> but sometimes you just sort of trip over your feet and you kind of stumble for a few steps, but you don't quite fall over. That's what this guy's talking about. They didn't quite fall over. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and <clears throat> go back into to Romans 11. And it starts talking about this illustration of an olive tree. And it says the Jewish people are like a nation, right? It's like a branch that's broken off. And I'm going to put you, this new branch, onto the olive tree. Excellent. Good for us, right? We have access to the kingdom of God. It also goes on to warn you that if you can be grafted on, so can they. If they can be cut off, so can you. There comes a warning here, stark warning, isn't it? Too often we can say, okay, well, the church is the new Israel. We have the new promise. We're all equal. So that was then. This is now. It's linear, right? Because that's our understanding of time and scriptures. It's linear. That was for them. This is for now. It's not, that's not the case. God's promise to the Jewish nation is still in place. The Jews are still God's chosen people. The fact is he's opened up access to us too. For me, I don't want to be cut off again. I want to stay grafted to the tree. Because it goes on to say that you don't get strength. The, the, the tree doesn't get strength from the branch. The branch gets strength from the tree. From the root, it says specifically. Okay, and the root is God. We know that the root is this promise, this covenant that God first made with the Jewish nation. But then he's made it to us too. Let me skip back. I promise I'm not going to jump around all morning. In fact, I promise this isn't going to be a long sermon. Because I find sometimes when you preach too long, you can sometimes skip over a point. And this is the point I'm trying to make. We are saved by grace. Yes. For a purpose. If any of you listen to any of my sermons, you know I've been preaching on this for six months. Okay? We are saved by grace alone. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn anything for a purpose. But this is how the, uh, what do you call it, the landscape has just changed in the last seven days for us. Because you are saved by grace for a purpose. But now there's a consequence too. Because this says you might get ungrafted if we're not obedient. I said it nicer a few weeks ago. I said, 
we're all going on a journey. In business, we used to use this lovely, funny, um, funny phrase. There was too much swearing in it for me to actually use it in church, okay? But the general idea was that there's a train in the station and it's now your choice whether you board the train or not because the train is leaving the station. We're going on a journey, okay? That's a nice way to put it. We can talk about grafting in or grafting out. You're chuckling because you're familiar with the phrase, right? <clears throat> in Romans 10, 9 to 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is your mouth, with your mouth, that you profess your faith and are saved. We did Alpha yesterday. It was so funny, so amazing to see these. Um, just looking around me, they're not here. That's cool, I can be a little bit more. Hopefully they don't listen to the recording. It's funny when you watch new Christians stumble around the place. And something that every single one of us, and some of us may even still be there now, is I've done that. Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, so I'm saved. But I don't understand the rest of it. And until I understand the rest of it and agree with it all, because I must agree with Ricky and everything he says for me to be saved, because that's in the book of Ricky, uh, in the Bible, it's the 66th book. No, it's nonsense, that's heresy, it's a lie of the devil. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and you will be saved because you are saved by grace alone. And when we talk to new Christians, they go, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I got it, I got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> well, you ain't got it then, have you? <laughs> I've got it, but, but I don't agree with this or I don't understand that. No, you've missed it. You are saved by grace alone. goes on to say, Romans 10 13, it repeats it. Remember, that was only 9 to 10. We're only up to 13 now. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you remember I said you were saved by grace and I said you were saved for a purpose? It goes on 14 to 15 to say, how will they know if no one tells them? How then can they all call the one they have not believed in? Call on the one they have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? God, I could spend 45 minutes on that bit alone. And the current methodology in the world that preaching is outdated, that we need a two minute sermon, and actually we can probably do it on our podcast, and we don't actually have to come to church or send missionaries to the, west, uh, to the east anymore, or to Africa, because they've all heard it already, right? So we don't need to send it up. That was, a, that was something for the 60s and 70s. Preaching's in the Bible, and it's important. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do you know, it was an amazing privilege to be sent by you guys a few weeks ago to America. And I know they were blessed by that time, not just by me and my amazing preaching, because it's average at best, right? But the fact that you thought of them, the fact that you sent them. Do you know one of the highlights of their week? was when I asked them to record that silly video we did where we sent greetings. Because they saw that there was a family connection. It's a funny connection because of the name, right? They're also called Living Word and so are we, and ha ha, it's all a bit of a joke, right? But, but actually suddenly there's this group of Christians in the UK that know who they are, 
and are praying for them and have sent somebody to them and have invited them back here. In fact, we invited their pastor here last year. For some reason, he didn't come, but uh, I think he went to another church in the area. But there's a family connection there. But we are saved by grace. We are saved by, for a purpose. And once you, once you start to get this, once you start to understand this, once you start to actually have it ingrained in your heart, it changes the way you think about everything we do. So we should. We should think about this. We should live this. We should understand. I, uh, can I confess? Um, I'm going to do a double confession, a double shotgun one today. Me and Tim were talking a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to share this because it's about me and not about you. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. Tim said to me, when you preach, Ricky, I can see that you get to a certain point of honesty and then you stop and you retreat. That's my confession. Is I've been here just over a year and there are still points where I don't feel safe to share some of the stuff that I'm saying because I don't want to offend you, because I don't want to hurt you. Okay? It's nothing personal. Maybe as we get to know one another a little bit better, maybe as I start to trust a little bit more, maybe as you start to trust me a little bit more, that all comes from a place of love, mind you. Mind you, so that's a very Bristolian thing to say. Um, I love you guys, and I don't want to cause you any offence. But I do want the truth to be preached from this platform. We're going to change, guys. We're going to change. God has something for this church and we're going to change I want you all to come with us I'm not going to tell you to when we're going through these changes and you get a bit sweaty because we will some of these changes won't be good changes they won't appear to be good changes they'll all be good changes sorry I'm going to retract that all changes will be good changes They'll be made with the best of intentions and the best wishes and in line with what we believe God is talking to us about as a church. But it will require change. It will require change. It will require letting go of some of the things that we hold dear. Not because they're scriptural, not because they're of God, but because they're just what we've always done. Okay, that's what God had for you yesterday. I'm not going to try and be on a trapeze, okay? But let go of it he has something new for us to grab hold of I want you all to come with me us we've already met as elders and wives we already know this in fact we're meeting this afternoon pray for us it says the Bible says pray for your leaders we need wisdom as we start to work this stuff through we met with Alan after church last week because I take this stuff literally when we have a prophecy I say okay well what does that mean for us we've got to start moving on one of the things that comes out as a key theme in Romans 10 to 11, is that works didn't work, faith worked. Do you know where it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord? It didn't say whoever adhered to all the Ten Commandments. Because no one ever did, right? Jesus was the only human who ever did or ever will. Or even the two commandments. Remember that when Jesus whittles it down to the two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we know the one. So even when we narrowed it down to two, <coughs> I haven't done that. I haven't done that. <clears throat> Leave a review lot. 
<laughs> There's no judgment or condemnation there, but it's true. Okay, we're going to start preaching the truth from the front. Not that we haven't always that criticism for anyone else. But beware. We are saved by grace alone for a purpose. But beware. Remember when you're praying, when we're working this stuff through, that God first saved the Jews. We don't preach on Israel very often in this church. I don't know why. I do believe it. Because they, had, they first had the promise, okay? So we need to pray for them. Can we change this mentality of a them and an us or a past and a present? That promise is still there as well as our new promise, okay? They're not mutually exclusive. Remember, we have to profess with our mouth. This is one new Christians always struggle with. <clears throat> and medium Christians and old Christians. We all struggle with this one. I don't anymore. I used to. But when you get saved, one of the first things we'll ask you to do is share your testimony with the person next to you or in front of the church or your baptism because it's important to profess because do you know what? If it's not on the outside, it ain't on the inside. Fact. You can argue with me that if you want, but if you're not bold enough to say it with your lips, it hasn't happened in your heart. Maybe you're in process, in which case I'll love you until you get there, okay? I still love you afterwards too, but... We've got to profess this with our life. Works didn't work. Faith worked. We were really good, weren't we? If we take this as the change point, the pivot point, today, last week, the seven-day period, let's have a, a grey tipping point, okay? This was our changing point. We used to be really good, didn't we, at works. I'm not saying we stop street pastors, hey, do you like that? I think when I was involved in rather than what anyone else was involved in. Or 58-7, or feeding the homeless, or Christians against poverty. These are all good things. But no one ever got saved by doing those things. We are not going to get saved by doing those things. We're not. We're only going to get saved by faith. So are we teaching that to ourselves? Because you know that internal dialogue you have with yourself? Are we teaching that to ourselves? This is about faith. I never gave you my second confession. My second confession is that I've been in a really foul mood for the past seven days. That proves to you that anyone who's seen me this week now proves to you that I am really good at faking. Okay? Because anyone I've seen in the gym or at Alpha or wherever else I've been, I've been in a really foul mood. Do you know why? Because I don't like change. I don't like change. I don't like change. And the idea of going on this journey where we're going to have to change upset me. Not because actually anything I might have to do, if I'm honest with you, that bit kind of excites me. I want to go on this journey, right? I want to get to what God has for us. This comes from the heart. This is where I have to give you the first confession first. The idea of any of you being upset by this upsets me. The idea of any of you criticising us for doing what we believe God has called us to do upsets me. This is not a season that I'm particularly looking forward to the change element. I'm looking forward to the bit on the other side. But this bit in the middle. We have a choice. A friend of mine, I've told you about her before, and she doesn't mind me sharing this, but I still won't give you her name. She was abused by her father, and uh, he was in prison, 
Yet she was the most lovely, loving, vivacious, beautiful person I'd ever met. And her catchphrase was simply, love is a choice. Love is a choice. We're going on this journey. Why? Because God has called us to. Backing that up, the elders and wives of all have agreed we're going on this journey. We have the backing of the apostolic oversight. We're going on this journey. It's now our choice how we do that. Do we love one another? Do we bear with one another? Or do we want to fall off the tree again? We're going to make this journey as nice or as difficult as we want it to be. There's going to be difficult days, guys. There is. Imagine if I said to you, okay, we've got a new building. Excellent. For some of you, that's going to be closer to home. And some of you, it's going to be further away. It might mean that we have to meet at a different time of day, which to some of you is going to be amazing. And to some of you, you're going to hate it because it doesn't fit in with your schedule anymore. Okay? But how we handle those changes is your choice, is our choice. Do we dictate it from the front or do we ask you? That's a choice. Do you respond with your feet? You know, that's an old business phrase, that you vote with your feet. That's why staff leave companies, because they're unhappy. Um, I pray against that. I don't want that to happen. But how we respond to one another, how we talk to one another, is so important. There have been times I've left this place so on cloud nine. I'm being honest with you again now, guys, okay? Speaking from the heart for the first time since I've been here. There are times I've left here on cloud nine. And there are times I've left here, gone home and cried because of something somebody said in this building. How sad is that? Our words are powerful, guys. Now, when we're a little... Oh, I'm not going to be that honest. When we're a club, when we're a closed group and we're all friends and we've been friends for 30 years and we all know one another and we all know that we have good days and bad days and all that kind of stuff, fair enough. I'm a tough cookie. And my, I put my, my trust in Jesus, okay? So he's, he always heals me. Always heals me. Doesn't mean it's a nice experience. But how would you feel if you said that to a new Christian who walked through the back and they decided to fall off the tree because of something we said or something we did or somehow we, some way we reacted in the church? I'd be furious. If that was me, if I said something, did something, reacted in a certain way, preached something from the front, said something during the worship, said something over teas and coffees, just a passing remark or even an attitude that I came up to church with. I will get to my second confession, I promise. I've had a foul mood this week. So before I came here today, I had to go and see God. And that might sound like the weirdest thing in the world if you're not this kind of guy. And most of you, for example, think that I am an extrovert because I stand up here with a microphone and I talk and I'm really confident and I go into meetings and I go on mission trips and you know, all that kind of stuff. Let me confess to you, I'm not, I'm an introvert. When you talk about someone being an extrovert and an introvert, you're talking about how they deal with an emotion, how they deal with an issue. And for me, I didn't need to come to church and be around a million people singing songs and doing all that kind of stuff because my heart wasn't right. I needed to leave and I needed to go and see God. Now, each of you might see God in a different way and in a different place. Some of it might be in your quiet time, staring at the ceiling in your bedroom. Some of you may be getting down on your knees to pray by the side of your bed. For me, I see God in the ocean, in water. So funny, isn't it? It doesn't matter if it's a river, a sea, an estuary, a pond. 
I see God in water because I see his mighty power and his peace. And I just realized in that moment how small we all are. So this morning I was late because I have been in a stinking mood all week. And I needed to bring to you today what God was had in store for you. And I couldn't do that because I was in the wrong place. So I drove all the way to South End. It took me like 20 minutes to get there and 20 minutes to get back. And I stood by the side of the ocean for about 30 seconds, took a really deep breath, said, thank you, Jesus, got back in the car. And I just, in that moment, I saw God. We can all do that. We can all have bad days. When we are going on this journey, stop and see God before you react. I've not been too faithful to Romans 10 and 11 today. It's there. It's there. You might need to listen to the recording and take some notes again. But it's there. God's promise to them is now his promise to us as well. But we have a choice. We have a choice. Can I pray for you guys? We did something at Alpha yesterday which was um, simply profound and profoundly simple. Can everybody stand up? And I just want you to put your hands out in front of you. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to each of you now. And we're probably just going to stand in a moment of silence. Maybe Ruth could, when we're done, you can play one of the songs. I don't really, something that comes to mind. Do you know the one? Okay, when you're done. Ruth was with us yesterday. She did an amazing job. So blessed. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We're desperate for you. We need a whole new baptism in the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come and fill this room. Fill this place. Soften our hearts. Soften our minds to you and your purposes. Lord, come and minister to us. I echo Keith's prayer. That whilst you're here, come and heal us. Any of those heart issues, any of those mind issues, any of those body issues that we're carrying right now. Holy Spirit, come. Wash over this room.